Well, good morning. I'm not Pastor Kendrick, that's him. But I'm Phil. I'm Kendrick's father-in-law, if you don't know. And he asked me if I would share from God's Word today. So take your Bibles, if you would, and open to the book of Genesis. Pastor Kendrick and Pastor Tim have been preaching from the book of Genesis, but they're doing it in a unique way. Have you ever looked for Jesus in Genesis? That's a, that was a different approach for me, and it got me thinking differently, and I know they have been as well, about how to look at the book of Genesis. I'm reminded of a quote by a famous preacher, Charles Spurgeon. He said whenever he preached, he took his text anywhere in the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, and he made a beeline for Jesus or the cross. I hope you understand that the Bible is a wonderful book, but without Jesus Christ, it's meaningless. Jesus is what the Bible is all about. A lot of the Bible occurred before he was born, but there were prophecies, and, and, and they talked about his coming, the Messiah, the Christ. And Jesus is the, not only the central figure of the Bible, he's the central figure of history. It's even interesting to me that our date, you know, 2022, is 2,022 years from his birth. All of history is pointing to or telling about Jesus Christ. And so as we look for, for Jesus today, we're going to be looking in chapter 17 to start. We're going to be looking at the life of Isaac. Now I'm kind of partial to Isaac. That Isaac back there standing in the sound booth, that's my grandson. But the Isaac we're going to talk about today is the son of Abraham. But I want to set up the story. Now, for some of you, this is going to be repetition. I don't apologize for that because we need to repeat these stories. We need to tell them over and over. We need our children to know these stories. Why are the stories of the Old Testament so important? Because it's the story of God revealing himself to mankind. It's the story of how God interrelated with people. And from those stories, we can learn as young people, as teenagers, as children, as adults, how to relate to God the Father. Because these people in the Old Testament were just like us. They weren't perfect. We got any perfect people here today? I'd like to see a hand. No, we're not perfect. And we have to learn to relate to one another in our imperfections, to forgive each other, to work with one another. And the Old Testament is full of imperfect people. Now, you may recall that a Abraham's name was Abram. Do you remember? And so we're going to pick up the story with Abram. Now, he has already left his father and his family, and he's traveled to a new land because God asked him to go. By faith, he went. And now he and Sarah, or Sarai, have lived in the new land for a long time. And God has been promising Abraham that he was going to be the father of a multitude of nations. But it hasn't happened Yet, you recall that Sarai became impatient and she suggested, I'm getting old. Maybe you ought to have a child by my handmaid. And she gave Hagar, her handmaid to Sarah, to Abraham. And Abraham had a, a son by Sarai, Ishmael. Remember Ishmael? And later, Abraham would have another wife, this is after Sarah died, Keturah, and he would have six sons by Keturah. 
But none of those sons, Ishmael or those six sons by Keturah, were the son, was the son of promise, the one through whom God wanted to bless the world. It was through Isaac. So let's pick up the story in Genesis chapter 17. We're going to read just a few of the verses, but let's look first at Isaac's birth is a promise. It's promised. Isaac 17. When Abram was 99 years old, anybody 99 here? I don't think so. The Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face and God said, And behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. I will be their God. Notice that God changed Abraham's name from Abram to Abraham. Abram means the father is exalted, but Abraham means the father of a multitude. He may have been exalted before, but God wanted him to know, I'm changing your name. I'm serious about this. You may be 99, but I want to bless the whole world through, through you. I'm going to give you, I'm going to make you a, into a multitude of nations. Look at verses 15 and 16. And God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah. This shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her, and I will bless her, and she, she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Names must be important to God. He changed her name from Sarai to Sarah. Now, Sarai, there's some confusion about what that means, but most historians believe it means contentious or quarrelsome. But they, the name change to Sarah means princess. I think that's better. And God changed her name. But he had more to do. Look at verse 17. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes, and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. When he had finished talking with him, God went up. From Abraham. And now he said, you're going to have a son next year, and you're to name him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? He laughs. Laughter. And it's interesting that Abraham laughed. Names are important to God. Turn to chapter 18 quickly, and let's pick up the story then. And the Lord appeared 
verse 1, chapter 18, And the Lord appeared to Abraham by the oaks of Mamre as he sat at the door of his tent in the heat of the day. He lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing in front of him. When he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself down to the earth and said, O Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. Now some time has passed, and once again the Lord is appearing to Abraham to confirm his covenant with him. And it's in the heat of the day. Jump down to verse 9. And they, this is the three strangers, said to him, Where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, She is in the tent. The Lord said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. And Sarah was listening at the tent door behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in years. The way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. So Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, shall I have pleasure? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Shall I indeed bear a child now that I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you about this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. He said, No, but you did laugh. And what does Isaac mean? Laughter. You know, my grandson makes me smile, and sometimes he makes me laugh. We've had a lot of fun together, and we're going to have more fun together. But this child of promise, Isaac, was going to bring laughter to a 90-year-old woman and a 100-year-old man. Let's pick up the story in chapter 21. Some more things happen, and we don't have to cover all those, but we're following the life of Isaac. He's been prophesied. God's promised that he would be born. Now look in... Chapter 21, verse 1, The Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did to Sarah as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. So there's the story of the promise of Isaac. That's the story of it being fulfilled in the birth of Isaac. There was laughter involved the first two times. Abraham laughed the first time. Sarah laughed the second time. And then when he was born, she said, people are laughing at me, but I'm laughing too. An old woman with a baby. Now, I wanted you to know that, and most of you already probably did, about what happened before Isaac was born, because today we're going to look at the only story, the only real story about Isaac's life before he was an old man before he had children. We want to look at the one story from his childhood. And for some reason, God allowed Isaac to experience this one thing in his childhood that was so important that he wanted all of us to know about it. And we're going to look for Jesus in this next story, and it's in chapter 22. In chapter 22. Isaac's birth has been promised. 
Isaac's birth has been fulfilled to an old man and an old woman. He's brought laughter to their lives. And then something happens a few years later. We're going to pick up the story when God next speaks to Abraham. Now I want to tell you something about Abraham. If you take the time to read in the book of Genesis all the story of Abraham's life, there's one defining feature of Abraham that I wish I had. We call him Father Abraham, but we also call him the man of faith. Why do we call Abraham a man of faith? That's exactly right. Thank you. In fact, Abraham's probably the only guy in the Bible that every time God spoke to him, the very next verse, he was doing what God asked him to do. No hesitation. Man, I've got a helper back here today. No hesitation. He was a man of faith. Do you understand that it's one thing to say you have faith and it's in your head and it's in your heart. It's a whole different thing when it's in your feet, your hands, and your mouth. Because sometimes it's hard to do what God wants you to do. So let's look at this passage. I want to, and the focus, I want to start, the focus is on Abraham. We'll talk about Isaac in a minute, but let's focus on Abraham. And let's start with Abraham is tested in chapter 22. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Let's stop a second. Does that sound like something God would really ask you to do? Shake your head no. I mean, sometimes you may want to sacrifice your children for other reasons, but no. And yet, the Bible says God tested Abraham. Do you understand that the, God does test us from time to time? He wants to know what's in our heart. He doesn't want us to do wrong, but he wants us to grow stronger in our faith. And so he will test us. There'll come times where it's hard to do what he wants. It's interesting. He said, take your son, your only son. Was he the only son? No, he had Ishmael. But he was the only son of promise. And he said, go to the land of Moriah. Now, we know today that the land of Moriah is where Jerusalem would be built someday. The land of Moriah. That may be the Lord calling. If it is, let me know. And so, offer him there as a burnt offering. Now, it's interesting. Look at the very next verse. So, Abraham rose early in the morning. Wow. He didn't hesitate. This request didn't make sense to him, but he knew it was God telling him to do it, so he didn't hesitate. He saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him, and he sent Isaac, and he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey, and I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how old Isaac was. But he was old enough for a three days journey. They took a donkey, but they didn't ride that donkey the whole time. It's probably 60, 80 miles 
from down where they lived up to Beersheba, up to the, to the area of Moriah, Jerusalem. And then when it came time to leave the donkey and the servant behind, who carried the wood? Isaac. So Isaac was not just a small boy. He was probably at least a teenager. And how old was his dad? 110, 112? But he was obedient. And he did what he told him to do. Abraham is tested, but Abraham obeys. And then let's look at how God honors Abraham's faith. Look at verse 9. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his thorns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. Abraham was tested, Abraham obeyed, and now God honored Abraham's faith. What do you think was in Abraham's mind? All I can think is Abraham knew he could trust God. I don't know how. He knew that whatever God asked him to do would be the best thing for him and the best thing for his son and for all concerned. So Abraham's tested, Abraham obeys, God honors Abraham's faith. And then let's read the conclusion of the story. God confirms his covenant with Abraham, verse 15. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of the heaven, as the sand that is on the seashore, and your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham lived at Beersheba. And so Abraham was tested. Abraham obeyed in faith. God honored Abraham's faith. And then God reconfirmed his covenant with Abraham. It's interesting. How was God going to bless the whole world? How, what, who was the person God was going to use to bless the whole world? It was Isaac. And yet God said, take the very child I gave you in your old age, and I want you to give him to me. I want you to sacrifice him. Why? Why would God do that? Testing his faith. God doesn't want anything between you and him, not even your children. He doesn't want that car you own, that job you have, that house you hold, your IRA, your retirement. He doesn't want anything between you and him. And sometimes he may ask you to sacrifice by faith. Have any of you ever had to do something totally by faith? Totally by faith. It didn't make sense. 
I know Debbie and I, we were a young couple with four little girls. Melissa was, oh, 13. And God asked us to leave our home where we had met and, and married and had our four daughters and our family was there, my job was there. And God said, I want you to move from Sacramento to Fresno. Now, I know everybody wants to live in Fresno. <laughs> well, maybe not. But he said, I want you to leave your family. I want you to leave your job as an attorney there. And I want you to go to work helping Baptists, working, helping churches. But Lord, I can't pay my bills on the salary they're offering me. I want you to go. But Lord, my kids... They've grown up. The only people they've known are here. We love our church. We love our job. We love our families. I want you to go. I wish we'd have been as quick as Abraham. It, it took us longer. We had to pray. We had to talk. But we went. And there's no doubt in our minds that that's what God wanted us to do. And he replaced everything we left with so much more. There's been other times by faith I've had to make decisions. Maybe in a job, to change a job. I remember... My boss came in to see me when I was practicing law and said, Phil, what's going on? And I said, I've I got to make a decision. I can't do all of this. And so anyway, I ended up quitting that job, and God provided. Do you understand what it means to live by faith in little things and in big things? <laughs> okay. He'll feed the birds. I'll take care of you. Yeah. You know how you learn to trust God in the big things? You trust Him in the little things. And He said, He that is faithful in that which is least. And you know what He was referring to? Least. He was talking about money. He said, If you're faithful to me with your money, then you can be faithful to me in the bigger things. Faith is something that grows. A move, a job change, taking a place of leadership. Some of you may have need to take a place of leadership in this church, and you say, no, I can't do that. I've done that. I was 23 years old, and they asked me to take over the, the leading the worship at the church I was at. I'm going, man, alive. But I did. They asked me just to fill in. You know how long I filled in? 18 years. <laughs> That's a Baptist church for you. But you do it by faith. Trusting God. Now, we have to hurry on. What can we learn from Abraham? He was a man of faith. What can we learn from, from Isaac? There's a verse in Genesis. I don't want you to look there. I want you to listen with your ears and with your, with your heart. Back in chapter 18, when God and the two angels, probably the Lord, came to see Abraham, and they were going down to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, the Lord makes a statement about Abraham. He says this, for I've chosen him. We know that God chose Abraham. But he chose him to bless the world. But how was God, Abraham, going to bless the world? Was he going to bless the world because he was faithful and he gave his money and he tithed and he served, served the Lord? No. You know how God was going to bless the world? I've chosen him that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord so that I can bring about everything I promised him. The so that means, yes, he's a faithful man, but it's through his parenting of Isaac that I'm going to bless the world. Not just because he's a tither, not just because he goes to church, but because he's going to instruct the next generation. Now, here's my question to you. What does the Bible tell us about how he instructed Isaac? 
nothing. The Bible tells us nothing except this story. What does this story tell us about what he taught Isaac? He said, listen, Isaac, you're not more important to me than my God. I'm going to follow God. I love you, Isaac. Yes, you're my son, but you're not more important to me than God. What do you think Isaac learned from that? Wow. Wow. And by the way, if he was a teenager and Abraham was 110, do you think Abraham could have tied him up if Isaac didn't want to be tied up? Come down here, Isaac. I'm going to try and tie you up. <laughs> no. Isaac learned submission. He watched his father, this old man, submit to the Lord, honor the Lord, follow the Lord, respond to the Lord, and then he was part of the story. Man, I know my dad loves me, but look how much he loves God. Wow. Do your kids know how much you love God? Do they know about your faith? Do they see it in action? Let me give you some things very quickly because we're out of time. That see, but how do we see Jesus in this story? I want to share seven things. There's more, but in the interest of time, I'm going to share seven. First of all, Jesus' birth and Isaac's birth were prophesied. What does that mean? Ahead of time, they said they're going to be born. And, and Jesus' birth was prophesied hundreds, thousands of years before he was born. Isaac's was just a year before. But their births were prophesied, and the prophecies came true. Secondly, their names were chosen by God. Isaac means laughter, or he laughs. What does Jesus mean, that name? The Lord is salvation, or what did you say? God with us, the Lord is salvation, Wow, their names were chosen by God. Thirdly, their births were miraculous. I'm asking just the women. Women, how many of you think it's miraculous that a 90-year-old woman could have a baby? <laughs> Those of you that had one, <laughs> you know. And look at Jesus' birth. His mother was a virgin. Miraculous births. Number four, they were submissive to their fathers. Their heavenly father and their earthly father. Jesus, I've, t I've told my grandchildren this, it's hard as you get to be a teenager to submit to your parents. I think that's why the story of Jesus when he was 12 years old in the temple and he stayed there and they found him and the Bible says specifically, and he went home and submitted to his parents as a teenager. And look at Isaac as a teenager, allowed himself to be bound, allowed himself to be laid on an altar and God delivered. They were submissive. Number, number five, they were offered as sacrifices on Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah is a place in Jerusalem. Anybody been to Jerusalem on a tour? A few of you? Did you go to the Temple Mount? Okay, at the Temple Mount. A lot of important things happened there. Abraham offered Isaac there. David offered a sacrifice there to stop the plague. That's a different story. But Solomon built the temple there. It's the same place. Jesus preached there. Jesus was killed nearby and ascended nearby. Do you know what Mount Moriah looks like today? I want to show you a picture. Have we got that picture? I know you can't see it real well, but that whole area, and that's the Dome of the Rock in the middle. The Dome of the Rock is a Muslim mosque. 
And that is now built where the temple used to be, the Old Testament temple. But the walls down around are the temple compound walls, where the, the temple in the time of uh, Solomon was built. Show the next picture. Yeah, that's the Wailing Wall, and you can see the dome of the rock. In the Dome of the Rock, and I, in 1998, uh, I got to go in there. At the bottom and the center of the Dome of the Rock is this rock. They built it around it. And this is supposedly the rock where Abraham offered Isaac. I got to go in there in 98. They're not letting non-Muslims in now. But as you walk, they don't like, I didn't let me take any pictures, but you walk down and you can actually go under this rock and see that hole. You can look up through that hole. Now, I'm no expert, I'm no archaeologist, but this is a significant place in Jewish, Christian, and Muslim history. And the Muslims captured it, and they built their dome, their mosque, right on top of the rock where the temple was built, where Isaac was sacrificed. They were offered as sacrifices on Mount Moriah. Number six, they were sacrificial lambs. Now, Isaac was to be the sacrificial lamb, but what happened? God provided another ram in his place. But what about Jesus? Did God provide another lamb? No. Jesus was the last sacrificial lamb who died, the Bible says, for us and to take away our sins. And number seven, their lives are blessings to billions of people. You know, Isaac would father two sons, his son Jacob would be the father of the 12 tribes of Israel that would become uh, the Jewish nation. Jesus would have 12 disciples who would begin to disciple, as your church is doing, until there's millions and even billions of followers today. So what can we learn? What can we take away? I want to challenge you to be an Abraham, to be a person of faith. I don't know what God may be asking you to do. But that still small voice, that unsettled spirit in your heart, sometimes is God speaking to you. And to hear that voice, you've got to get quiet. That means the TV's got to go off sometimes and the radio. We fill our lives with noise and we can't hear that voice. And then the next thing is, if you're going to be a person of faith, you've got to obey when it doesn't make sense in the little things and the big things. And then to be like Isaac, you need to learn to be submissive. Did you, did you know that submission is a form of faith? That boss of mine doesn't know what he's doing. But Lord, he's the boss. I'll share what I think, but I'm going to submit. That teacher at school, I can't. that husband of mine, the leaders I have to follow, submission is an act of faith as well. Do you see Jesus in the story of Isaac? And here's a more important question, so what? If you see Jesus there, what does that mean to you? If you're a believer, I hope it means, Lord, I need to recommit myself to him and to living a life of faith and submission when it's appropriate. If you don't know Jesus, the Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father except through me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life.
I'm going to ask the musicians to come. And I want you to do something as we sing. Would you just reflect and ask this? You know, the Bible says teaching is to give information, but preaching is for repentance. You know what repentance is? Change. What is it you need to change in your life? What did God say to you in your heart this morning? Anything? If not, you say, Lord, would you show me what I need to do to be more like Abraham or Isaac or like Jesus? If you've never committed yourself to be a follower of Jesus, that's a decision you have to make personally. Nobody can make it for you. And it's a simple thing. You say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I believe he lived. He died. He came back to life. I believe he died so my sins could be forgiven. I want to accept him and ask him to forgive me. I want to invite his Holy Spirit into my life. That's what being a Christian is. It's being born again by being forgiven and filled with the Holy Spirit. You can do that this morning. You can do it right where you stand. If you're already a Christian and you want to recommit your heart to him, you can do that as well. You see, it's personal. Abraham listened to that voice of God and immediately did what he said. I'm going to be here in the front as, as they sing, and if you want to come and pray or ask a question, I'll be here. But could I pray for you before we sing? Let's do that. Father, thank you for the story of Abraham and Isaac. Your son taught us that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts to convict us of what we should do when we hear truth. So, Father, do that today. Work in every heart, every life of every child, every young person, every adult. Speak to them in that quiet voice. And, Father, give them the faith of Abraham and the spirit of submission of Isaac to do what you want them to do. In Jesus' name.